Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O'Line Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again, and welcome to a new episode of Safe Conversations. I'm excited about our guest this evening. I've known her uh, maybe close to 20 years, but it's been a long time. And, uh, and I'm really excited for our listening audience to hear what she's got to say. So, uh, Reverend Bowens, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to see you. I, I always love the listening audience can't see you, but I can see your smile. And I always love to see that smile. Uh, can you start out by telling us uh, just a little bit about you, your background, your education, your family? Uh, yes, I had. Um, I am the fifth child out of 13 children. Yes, my mother had 13 children. I am the fifth of the siblings. Uh, two of them has passed, so it's 11 of us remaining. I am the mother of, was blessed to have three full-term pregnancies. My oldest son, Tony, is deceased. He was killed at the age of 32 while on his job working as a security office. Um, the guy came in with a gun and he was the only one that was killed and several others was injured. I'm blessed to have a daughter that's living in California, has been there for now over 20 some years. My baby son, Harold, lives here on the beach. He won't go away. He will say that he has to stay here and keep an eye on his mama. That's right. But I'm a grandmother of 11 children. I am. I have been blessed down through the years, through all the um, ups and downs and my health and all, but I'm still here and I'm blessed to be here. All right. Amen. A large family. And yes. y'all pretty close knit? Yes. We just okay. celebrate my mother's um, January the 19th. We all came together and celebrate my mother's 92nd birthday. Wow. That's awesome. Yes. That's a blessing. Longevity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you started, we met a long time ago, you know, uh, during my career in law enforcement. Uh, I had uh, the pleasure of meeting you under, you know, not so good circumstances. We met because of an organization you started. Yeah. Can you tell us about your organization, uh, what it's all about and uh, when and why you started it? Uh, it started, uh, my son was killed in 05. He had just finished the paperwork of going to mortician school in Atlanta, Georgia that May, and he was killed that April the 9th. So I started a fundraiser to do a scholarship to help children to go to college instead because he was going to college. Uh, I started off um, right there in Harlem on Canal Street doing fish fries to raise money. And I was doing some other things Oh, I never thought that I would be where I'm at today. Um, 
I always helped people. I always was a missionary helping people, just helping people. So with that fish frying fundraising scholarship that I started it, um, this young man came by and he saw I was talking to everybody openly and friendly. His name was Benny Swan. Benny stopped by to purchase a fish sandwich from me and he, we got in a conversation. He said, other mothers need to hear your story because there's other mothers that's going through and there's no one there to support them. He said, we are having a meeting at my house um, that evening. And I told him, if I'm finished here, I will, you know, I will come by and attend. So I was, um, I attended the meeting. And they were just sitting around talking about other issues and stuff. I'm not a talking person. I'm an action person. I like to see action. Anything you do, I want to see some results of it. So they kept talking and stuff and several other ladies that was there and stuff. So Benny said, um, well, y'all go on, y'all can start your own organization because he was working on his. And at that time, he didn't even have his 501c3. So they was working on his organization. I don't, I don't know why he invited me, but he must want me to hear something. And I turned around and I started saying, I said, um, mm, something needs to be done. So at that time, I started up a fundraiser at the Chick-fil-A. They let me, uh, you know, how to come in the evening and all the cars, they give you a percentage of it. So that was the first fundraiser I started off and um, taking the money and open up me an account at um, the bank to get me an EIN number. So from that, I went back to Ben and asked him for some information, how to start and how to go. He said, oh, go ahead. You got it. He kept telling me that I had it. So I went online and I saw that there was a lot of mothers against a lot of stuff. I said, well, it can't be named mothers against this because there's a lot of mothers against it. So as I was researching, I said, well, there is not a South Carolina mothers against violence. Mm -hmm. So I started to name South Carolina mothers against violence. And from there, I started working on uh, getting a 501c3. We had was donated some money by the Democratic Party women's and others that heard of what I was doing. And so they came in to help and gave donations to help. So with that, we started the 501c3. And I started it and didn't know what I was doing, but I filled the papers out and sent them off. And uh, they sent it back, and I kept going after it. And finally, I heard about a young man that was doing the grant, the 501. So I contacted him, and I paid him, and we sat here in my home to fill out the paperwork. And we became a nonprofit organization. And South that Carolina. Place. Yeah, South Carolina hmm. Mothers Against Violence. Wow. That's awesome. So, you know, I was listening to you, knowing your your background in ministry. I was listening to you and, and how Mr. Swan says, oh, you got it. You got it. And you said kind of you didn't know what you was doing, but you just kept on researching. Yes. Do you feel like God had had his anointing on your, on this program, on this organization? And he still does. He still does because he's guiding me. There were several times I wanted to quit. I, me, I wanted to quit. I was tired. Hearing the story of mothers over and over, how their child got killed, 
how they wasn't getting no help, they wasn't getting no counseling. Um, it just bothered me. Mm. And I want to say, why nobody is not helping these people? Because they needed help. So I went to the solicitor, Jimmy Richardson, mm-hmm. dug in his back door a couple of times. Yeah. And I went to the victim advocate and riled them up and others. And I wanted help for these families. Mm-hmm. And I started telling the families because after I heard, hear about the, the child getting killed, I would go to them and bring, I've got, I didn't know I was counseling at the time, but I was bringing some calm words to them to let them mm-hmm. know I went through this. So I know the feeling that you are going through with. Oh, um, so it grown from that. And now women still calls me for counseling to help them because the burdens is so, so heavy on them. And the most one that I found out is about is when your child has been killed and there's a closed casket. There mm-hmm. is no closure there. There is no wow. trial. There, and the person who killed your child killed themselves. Mm-hmm. There is no, no closure there. There is no closure. The they mother is grieving, the child is dead, and the guy who killed them is dead. They can't mm. retaliate. I mean, there's just no closure there. Right. And that's very hard to go through with. But um, God is still sustaining me. And I asked myself that. <laughs> Everybody asked me, how do you do it? How do you do it? I don't know how I'm doing it. But then I realized God is doing it for me. Absolutely. He's sustaining me. Yeah, yeah. So... What services, can you talk about some of the services you provide uh, for, for other mothers who's lost their lost child to violence? We also, we, oh, the hardest part there is to go into the coroner's office mm-hmm. or to the funeral home to identify your child. I've been there with mothers who see their child in the funeral home covered up. Um, we also help with the, because um, at that time, you're not knowing what to say and how to do it. So I help with the funeral arrangement mm-hmm. and, and talking to them how to go about helping to do the programs and how to do the, the funeral. Um, I, I attend a lot of funerals. <laughs> yeah. Be there to hold them up to let them know that it's going to be all right. Yeah, but that's your child there. Oh, um, mm. we help um help them when they go to court. I'll stand in the courtroom with them when they see the accuser that killed their child, and and even after the court, they don't sentence them. The hardest part now is that they the vic we the victims, and they are the criminals. They have more rights than we have. Now mm. they can be sentenced to jail get their time, go in the library and hear their cases and they can appeal. They can appeal. And they keep appealing. And that's like bringing the families back over and over and over again. Families have to travel from Mer- from Conway to Florence, from Florence on up. And uh, it, it's, it's no closure. So I'm they have to go back to Columbia to DC to um see can we put a, a cap on this? Yeah. Three times is enough. 
They say three strikes you out. So we need to put a cap on that appeals. And if someone get killed and the evidence all there, they shouldn't be let out on bonds so easily. Right. You know, it's a lot more work to be done that we are in the process of working on. Have you been to many bond hearings? Oh, I've been to several of them, and yeah. and they was denied. That's good. Do you sometimes speak on behalf of the family? If if I they have, yeah, okay. Yeah. And the judge denied a bond. Right. Yeah, they denied. Well, I, well, I got to ask you something. Um, and I've known you. You know, I, when I first met you, I knew you were special. I knew. <laughs> I knew it. Um, why do you think God chose you to do this work? I asked God that question, too. <laughs> I did. I asked him. And I, I, tell, I say this. I say, I would have did this work without you taking my son. Mm. Hmm. He said, I had to. This is what God told me. I had to know the feeling of the pain the other mothers have gone through and to be a better witness. I would have been a witness without it, but that's what he told me. God did. He said, mm. I had to feel the experience of it, yeah. of how they're, um, they're going through. So I, I can identify with the pain that they are going through with. Mm. And, you know, I could hear my, uh, my grandmother a uh, long time ago saying, in order to talk about something, you got to be a, you got to go through it. So yeah. I, I I feel exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, about how many mothers do you think you've helped? Just an estimate through your program. Oh God! Just if you had to guess, I know it's I I know it's over a hundred. Wow! It's over over hundred of them because I've traveled all the way down to Charleston. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Charleston, North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, Columbia. I've traveled. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most touching thing a mother has done for you? You know, after you've helped them through the process, you stood with them at the bond hearing, you may have, you know, went to the funeral. I mean, you saw them all the way through the process, mm -hmm. right? And I know at some point, you probably feel sad, but you don't lose that connection, but you, you know, things kind of calm down and maybe you, drip. but what's, what's the most touching thing that a mother has, has reached back out to you and done or said? It wasn't a mother. It was a grandmother, hmm. a grandmother that was raising her grandchildren because her daughter was killed oh, wow. and she was raising her grandchildren. Oh God. And she was raising her grandchildren. And we was doing a toy descriptor, giving out toys. Mm -hmm. And this little baby came up when we called their names up. It was from Paulus Island, from Georgetown District. And um, the baby went back. She had to be about maybe five or six years old. She went back and told her grandmother, said, see, Grandma, somebody love us. Wow. And the, my grandmother told the baby to go back and tell me thank you. Mm. That baby came around up there and put her, she was so down, so she let her, she just wrapped, grabbed my legs. Mm -hmm. And she started thanking me. Mm. She said, thank you for loving me. 
my lord that baby say thank you for oh god mm. that baby say thank you for loving me mm. and, and how did that I make you feel yeah yeah i bet your heart just melt yeah oh i'm full of tears as i speak about it now yeah wow yeah mm. Reverend Bowens, has there ever been, as you, you, you know, you've been trying to move this organization forward, has there ever been a problem getting people to buy into your vision or, or supporting what you're trying to get done? You know what? It's, it's sad, but it's true. Um, long as you're giving and doing, you have multiple people on your side. Mm. Long as you're giving. But when you ask to come back to do for someone else, to raise funds for someone else, they're in a, in another zone. But long as mm. them, if it's mm. them receiving, they don't have a problem in that. Mm. But um, I have been doing this now for about over 15 years. Mm. I've seen it. I've heard all of it. Um. But I can't stop. You can't stop. Can't stop. I don't. I'm trying to stop. Even this year, <laughs> I told myself. I did. I told myself that. Nah, I'm backing up. I'm. 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 I'm backing up. I'm stopping right. this. Mm -hmm. The other night, I got in a dream from God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My sister told me that today. I had a dream from God the other night, and and it was like He told me that. There are many families that's crying and secretly mm. their hearts are full. And I always talk back. I'm a talk back. I said, well, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So he said for me to get all the pastors in this community together and have a pastor to come around to um, have a luncheon that we can talk about this because a lot of these people are in these churches and there are their members that's going mm -hmm. through. Right. God said that I have heard the cry and he gave me the test to bring the people together that mm -hmm. they can come and unite together. The pastors, the bishops, the elders to come together before we invite the families in. We mm -hmm. need a, a plan that we can bring the families in before we can present it to them. So this is um what I'm working on now. We have a date for March the 9th. Um, we want to do lunch, 12 o'clock. And want you to be there at okay. Mount right. Olive AME Church. Carver Street. Carver Street. Okay. So right. we can bring together a platform that we'll have material to pass out to families. Mm -hmm. Mental health is real. Yes. And a lot of this family stuff, we need to get these these families together to get them help. Mm -hmm. That they'll be able to let their children know that there is help out there for them. Right. And this killing will cease. Mm. Some of this, because these kids going through a mental problem. They don't have no outreach. They don't have no help. They're just doing whatever they can do to survive. Mm -hmm. Robbing people, killing. That's, that, that, that's a mental problem. Right. That is a mental problem. So 
we um that's why I was my sister told me that day say how can you quit when God is still calling you to do something well I'm gonna have to if I got to you know you're my friend now you yes, we've been friends for a while yeah, but I'm gonna have brother. to lean with your sister on that how you gonna quit <laughs> when God's still giving you instructions Giving me instruction. I want yeah. to. Yeah, you can't quit. So, yeah. Reverend Bones, I'm going to ask you a tough question. I know it's a tough question, but, but I'm going I'm to. Uh, I know you're strong enough to deal with it and answer it. Um, how, you know, did it make you feel uh, when you heard, you know, George Floyd? Call out for his mama, and now Tyree Nichols in Memphis. You know, knowing about the work you do, knowing about your ministry. Mm. You know how how did it make you feel? You know, can you describe that that feeling? You really want to know my feeling? I was highly pissed off. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I was I am I'm upset. Yeah, yeah. Now they now they broadcasting about the guy who's amputated. To both legs off. Mm. 11 bullets? Come on. Mm. I mean, it, it just tears me up. Yeah. I, I mean, it tears me up. Yeah. It just, it just, come on, that could have been your brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, your child, you wouldn't do that to your family members. Yeah. They didn't even think to, you don't do that yet. Mm. Five of them or six of them. How many other guys they were? You don't do that. Yeah. That that's overkilling someone. Mm. And what I got from the information is that the one of the officers know who that guy was. They knew him. And he the one that did the kicking and beating him so because of a girl. Mm. Because of a girl. Now you know what? When my kids were small, I always told them not to fight each other. I didn't allow my kids to fight each other. And if they hit one or bite on one, then I would say, which hand did you hit with? Mm-hmm. And I'd take that hand and i hit it. Pop, pop, pop. And if they go around biting, i say, where you bite them at? And i go back and bite them. Mm-hmm. And let them feel it. Because you don't do that. So those guys need their behind wheel. They need to feel what they're doing. They need to feel it. That's just all to it. Yeah. They need to feel it. You don't um, do that. Reverend Bones, what do you think the answer is to finally end the violence in our community? Unnecessary violence from everybody, you know, the community members, the police. It, I mean, just straight across the board. How do you, What do you think? That, counseling. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that? Because everybody's sick. Mm. They're going through um, a lot of mental problems. Mm-hmm. If it's not in a relationship, it's in their homes, their children. Everybody needs some counseling mm-hmm. because everybody can't wear stress so good. Mm. They will retaliate. They will come out because um, your mind is going to speak out to you and all somebody got to do is brush against you or step on your toes and you're going to retaliate you're going to act out Mm. but if you have somebody that you can go to and talk to what's Mm -hmm. going on in your life 
they will be able to bring some of that tension down in you. So I agree with that. Another, another meeting. We need that. We really need to be able to come together that they can, they can talk, have somebody to talk to. I agree. Uh, I remember um, what you said remind me years ago. I was a detective, and uh, I ended up going into a situation where uh, a young kid was deceased, and you know. I got called out to go investigate it. And there were so many similarities between this young kid and my daughter at the time, down to the type of pajamas they were wearing. Mm. And that thing really, uh, you know, I'd been to several crime scenes before. You know, I'd seen stuff. You know, I wasn't new to it. But that situation hit me different. And I remember at the time... You know, now they have what they call uh, critical incident debriefing for law enforcement mm -hmm. or public safety in general. When something mm -hmm. bad happens, you actually you get counseling, you get what you need. Yeah. But during that time, you know, it was man up, keep mm -hmm. moving. And so Reverend Bowens, uh, and you said this earlier, you talked about people suffering in silence. Mm -hmm. I never talked about it. I didn't tell my family about it. I couldn't tell, I didn't feel like I could tell my coworkers about it. Mm -hmm. I walked around with that for 15 years. My God. Never said nothing. Wow. Never said nothing. I would see it all over again. Wow. I would constantly think about it. And it was like I was walking around with a book bag with a 200 extra pounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, another situation came up 15 years later. And during that time, you know, people were starting to look at public safety and realize that PTSD and mental health, like you said, is real. Mm -hmm. So I'm going through the situation. And I'm dealing with this situation 15 years later. And guess what you think came up? Mm -hmm. And after 15 years, I finally got a chance to release it. And I'm telling you, I can't even describe how I felt. But Reverend Bones, it, it really meant a lot to me to 15 years later to be able to finally talk about it. So I know exactly what you mean when when you talk about suffering in silence. Um, the other thing uh, you know, that you mentioned earlier that I think is important in a lot of communities across the country is I don't think that the pastors are in, engaged as much as they should be in what's going on in the community. Thank you know you. what I'm saying? I mean, you. you know, as a kid, you know, I was, you know, raised in the church and taught that, you know, church just wasn't about Sunday. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Church was how you live every day. Mm -hmm. And it's almost in some cases, in a lot of cases, like things, have flipped around mm -hmm. in churches more so a business, you know what I'm saying? And not about the business. Hmm. What you, how you feel about that? You know, God sees and hears everything. And I didn't really look at it that way like that until God revealed it to me. All the mm -hmm. people crying and secretly and they're mm -hmm. being hurt. Now, the pastor's preaching every Sunday. They come in the church. 
but yet he don't even know his congregation crying. Mm. They don't know they're crying in secretly. And God told me that they was crying in secretly. And for me to get the pastors together and bring them on one accord that they can identify, teach the pastors first how to mm -hmm. identify their members that's going through a crisis. Because mm -hmm. they're not talking to those people. They're not talking to the pastor. They're not talking to the member. They, they silently, they come to church, go back home and cry. And they're hurting. They are hurting. And the pastor's just doing their job. It's a job. Yeah. It's a job. They just come to preach, get their money, go back home. Come to preach, get mm -hmm. their money, go back home. It's yeah. a recycle. But the people are the ones that's hurting. Suffering. Yeah. Crying in silence. Well, I'm so glad that you, you know, you taking the initiative and you following up and you uh, you're gonna pull those pastors to be together. Oh, and, I don't uh, contact them. Let me know, you know, anything I can do. Um I'll be there to support you. You thank you, and, man. And um, you know, I'll do whatever I can to help. So we talked about a lot. I've thoroughly enjoyed our time together together tonight. How about you? Yeah, I really did. I, I really, good. I really I was good. looking forward for it too. Good, good, <laughs> good. So yeah. if somebody wanted to learn about South Carolina Mothers Against Violence, how could they find out more information? Easily. My number is always out there. And I've had this number for over hmm, 40 some years. Are you serious? Yeah, serious. Every time I get a new phone, I keep my number. Wow. So, and now to be in contact with the guy that took my son, I can't change it. Mm -hmm. I have to mm -hmm. stay tapped because they got to call me if they do anything with that young man right. who took my son's life. I got to stay in contact, so I can't. That number is there. That's my number. I got you. 843-685-3212. That's my cell number. And mm. I'm always available. And I listen to everybody. And if I don't have the answer, I will tell them I will get back with them. Okay. So what we are doing now is um for the meeting that we are having March the 9th with the pastors, the elders, and the bishops is to bring them together and ask other agents who is out there that have information for the people to get help mm -hmm. to come in and to help us because we can't do this by ourselves. Hey, Reverend Bowens, thank you so much for coming on uh, and sharing your experience and talking about your wonderful organization, South Carolina Mothers Against Violence. Uh, and thank everybody for listening. Uh, to another episode of Safe Conversations, where nothing's off the table. We talk about race, culture, everything that's different about us, uh, so that we can all somehow find a way to come together and move forward as one. So until next time, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. 
The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.